Chapter Two of My Flirtations by Ella Hepworth Dixon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Two. Perhaps it was by way of contrast to the superior person that I appreciated Tony Lambert so much for a time. He was the most naive individual I have ever known. Indeed, his naivete quite disarmed me, and in a breezy, boyish way, he was diverting. To be sure, he did not expect me to read Schopenhauer, of whose existence I imagine he was but dimly aware, nor did he ask me to spend afternoons at the National Gallery. Campton Park and the Gaiety Theatre were more to his taste, and while this sportive affair lasted, the house had a rollicking, youthful atmosphere which was the result of something more subtle than Tony's ringing laugh and Tony's skirmishing fox terriers, who invariably accompanied their master in his many visits we neither of us took each other seriously and that added a certain charm to the thing everybody at home liked tony except i think christina who said she couldn't understand his slang and that he made a draught in the drawing-room he was so boisterous and restless the family saw a good deal of him in those days for he was being painted in parade dress and he used to stay to lunch so as to be able to pose again in the afternoon i remember the first time he came in with father pink with mortification at being seen in his uniform in the daytime out of barracks whence comes i wonder the love of mufti so deeply implanted in the breast of the british officer tony fortunately learned to forget his early sense of discomfiture and spent many merry half-hours in our little study when he had done sitting singing soldier songs with a fearful and wonderful accompaniment of his own invention while the dogs chased each other barking joyously over the sofas and chairs how he used to light up the dim little twilight room with his scarlet bravery and his irrepressible spirits mr anthony lambert was the eldest son of norfolk people one day or other he would come into possession of a fine old house some excellent shooting and three thousand a year an income by no means large enough to keep up the towers therefore it was an understood thing especially by lady marion his mamma that tony when he married was to marry money in the meantime tony was to be painted first to adorn the next exhibition at burlington house and afterwards the collection of family portraits at the towers so that in this way the boy in spite of lady marion's precautions came directly under the influence of a most undesirable young person to wit myself tony was a lieutenant in a line regiment and i fear his high spirits made him have occasional differences of opinion with his colonel in appearance he was distinctly good to look at he had a clean pink skin twinkling blue eyes and hair so flaxen that it was almost silver his shoulders were broad and square he had a delightful laugh and he was just three-and-twenty and without being in the least conceited tony was thoroughly pleased with himself his regiment and his belongings he had in a supreme degree the magnetism which comes of perfect health good spirits and complete self-satisfaction what an infectious thing is happiness and what a golden age is three-and-twenty with what vigour did tony play lawn-tennis how excited he got over races and cricket matches how hot he became when he danced what portentous suppers he could eat the very sound of his voice in the hall a voice with raised inflections for the ends of tony's sentences always finished joyously roused one up on the foggiest and dreariest of days to go for a walk in the park or along piccadilly with tony lambert was a whole education in itself in the ways of young men his joy was so manifest when a pretty face a showy figure or even a well-cut gown appeared in sight 
he had the omnivorous glance which takes in every detail and which is the prerogative of men who spend most of their leisure in sport seldom will you find a writer a lawyer or a scientist with the faculty of observation as highly cultivated as in the most brainless individual used to the rod and the gun tony by the by was one of the young men with whom i corresponded by electric telegraph as a matter of fact i do not possess a scrap of his handwriting whether he was doubtful of his prowess in grammar and spelling or whether it was a bit of worldly wisdom beyond his years will remain for ever a mystery but christina got quite tired of those agitated pulls of the bell which announced the telegraph boy while at this period orange-coloured envelopes were served up to me at every hour of the day there was nothing he didn't offer us from invitations to military balls to bags of american candy to me especially he offered a great many photographs of himself in various degrees of military splendour which gave my room for the time being quite a spirited and martial air of course this didn't last long for my photograph frames and space to put them are limited whereas my friends are many and in the course of years one frame contains many counterfeit presentments christina says that if i have a heart it must be like my photograph frames from what i could gather mr lambert was never in love with fewer than three ladies at a time he was like one of the modern monster shopkeepers a sort of universal admirer of the fairer sex and yet one never blamed him for it perhaps because he was so perfectly candid in his enthusiasms as far as i could make out the fair with whom i shared his affections at this time were his major's wife a person with fluffy hair an exaggerated figure and a well-worn smile and an individual whose acquaintance it appeared he had not yet succeeded in making but who occupied a distinguished position in the second row of the gaiety chorus it was always amusing to get tony on to the subject of his loves the little friends that he played with seemed to have been of all ages and sizes and his amorous difficulties appeared to have been numerous once already had his family offered a substantial sum to a young lady in the camberwell road as a substitute for tony's hand but that as he acknowledged with a pink and rueful countenance had been in his gay and giddy youth having now arrived at the discreet age of three-and-twenty he was resolved to mend his ways and to begin well he proceeded in his airy and irresponsible way to imagine that he cared about me i wonder what lady marian would have said of the three months that followed tony took his long leave on january first and it was at this time being a good deal in london that he sat for his portrait for the next two months christina and i were never sure when he would not burst into our den with his joyous laugh and a couple of excited dogs wagging delighted tails with some project of rushing us off somewhere or other in search of amusement what would lady marian have said to all this i wonder and of those many accidental meetings in bond street when we used to drop in at the minor exhibitions and come out sublimely unconscious of whether we had been looking at van beers or gustave dore or of the pompous dances in queen's gate to which mother allowed me to take the boy and where he met i believe for the first time in his life the youth and loveliness of south kensington tony had met county girls and garrison girls and gaiety girls but i don't think he had ever before danced with a london middle-class damsel lady marian i verily believe would have preferred the young person in the camberwell road but our last dance was not to be in queen's gate the regiment was ordered to the curragh and tony was in despair 
nothing would do but we must come to the regiment's farewell ball at malchester and it was there in the long low rooms of the officers mess against a background of flags and military trophies that i saw tony's blonde head for the last time the pretty scene comes back to me now the glare of scarlet coats among the flesh tones of the women the delicate tinted tulle dresses against a bank of pink azaleas and palms the blue uniforms of the gunners and the green of the rifles striking a sombre note in the gay chord of colour the intimate sadness of those valse refrains which the band of the regiment played and over all that acute atmosphere of mixed pain and pleasure which is associated when one is eighteen with the words for the last time it was my first soldier's ball how well i remember the whole atmosphere of that night the colonel smiling urbane and slightly indifferent the colonel's wife a lady with protruding teeth and neatly parted hair who was said to be wealthy the eager young faces of the junior subalterns as they surrounded some showy beauty the heavy-jawed captain to whom i was introduced on my entry and who deserted me at once for a buxom lady with dubious hair and many diamonds oh those military ladies how dashing how much too dashing they were what drawn-in waists what liberal smiles what suspiciously white shoulders how pert and off-hand they seemed in public and how confiding they looked in obscure corners down back passages where tony's straw-coloured hair and scarlet coat were to be seen often during that night heaven has not been pleased to inflict on me a suspicious disposition or i fear i should have passed but an indifferently amusing evening for mr anthony lambert with the gay insouciance of youth had thoughtlessly invited some half-dozen of his loves and his major's wife it appeared was inordinately jealous some fifteen years ago this lady had been described in a local newspaper as a magnificent blonde and she had been living up to the epithet ever since she had all the airs of a beauty and she seemed to regard mr lambert as her especial property at ten o'clock i heard her reproaching him for only wanting three dances at one o'clock she deliberately fetched him out of a balcony where he was saying good-bye to a pretty little girl with red hair i don't wonder that tony looked harassed the smile of his major's wife was terrifying poor boy i at least had never worried or reproached him and i think he was proportionately grateful at the last it was a black night and pouring rain i remember when we finally drove away but i could see that tony's blue eyes looked unspeakable things as we whispered a final hurried good-bye at the carriage door one morning a few months later we read in the paper that a marriage had been arranged and would take place immediately between mr anthony lambert of the blankshire regiment eldest son of mr and lady marion lambert of the towers sleepington norfolk and catherine eldest daughter of patrick o'flaherty esq of dublin he had been taken seriously by a garrison beauty a dozen years older than himself although they have already three children i hear that lady marion refuses to see her enterprising irish daughter-in-law and now the regiment is in india poor tony he was born it would appear to be the sport of the less amiable members of our sex his major's wife is of course with the regiment and people say that mrs anthony lambert is primitively jealous a ridiculous song that he used to strum always occurs to me when i think of him for the refrain woman lovely woman epitomizes the tragic comedy of his blameless little life End of chapter two